everybody. This is Mike Rosso, FPP 164, June 1st, 2017. Lovely he- weather. Oh, yes. I'm here in the... <laughs> I'm here with the gang, Matt Mirage. How time flies. Oh, my God. Uh, Mark Dalzell. Hey. Mark O'Brien. Hey, everybody. Leslie Lazenby. Hello, everyone. Oh, yes. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, a lot of film, everything film, all film all the time, as I say. Quick letter from Kevin Kethcart. Mail's in. I, much like many others, feel the need to tell you all how great it has been discovering your podcast and the deep back catalog of Sodes. Apostrophe Sodes. I love it. Sodes. Sodes. I discovered the October 1st, 2016 episode, and then have been traveling back in time from there. Wow. And have made it back to December 2015 with no signs of slowing. 2015, that was years ago. We were so young then. I, I have taken up a recent interest in photography as a hobby, venturing first into digital with an Olympus Pen-PL7. Yes, nice. I have truly enjoyed that experience, as digital has allowed me to really get accustomed to and learn a great deal about the exposure triangle in a very forgiving fashion. However, I've always been allured by film, from the look and the grain to the delayed gratification of shooting the shooting experience. I recently purchased an Olympus OM2N and have just put through my first roll of Tri-X. Broken, right? And and impatiently waiting for the results from my local lab, PJ Camera in Wheaton, Illinois. Shooting that first roll was immensely fun, and I find myself slowing down concentrating on the frame and overall being more creative and adventurous than I have been shooting digital. I've been itching to try other film cameras thanks largely to your podcast and can see myself going after a rangefinder in the near future. Your podcast has helped me to learn a great deal about film and the various cameras you spotlight, the featured films in your store that you discuss, and the occasional guest. But more than anything, it is your passion and dedication to film that keeps me listening. You all know how to love film as a hobby without all the highfalutin, gear-mongering, and elitism that pervades the most podcasts on photography. Goodness. (laughs) Or any hobby, for that matter. You wrote this yourself, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) that's your writing. Cheers to you all for truly keeping to yourselves, and thank you for the many, many hours of entertainment that are truly inspiring and incredibly fun. Your new fan, Kevin Kethcart, Winfield, Illinois, age thirty-two. Cool, nice letter. Yeah, thank you very much, Kevin. Well, why don't we uh, get right into a topic? Let's uh, take a, uh, a step back into time to the piratey days. <laughs> the day when people used to walk around like, Arr. With eye patches. With eye patches on. Yeah. And these are the Argus. Pointy hats. Cameras. Out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Weather-worn skin. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, how are things going on over the at the Argus? Argus? Oh, they're going just dandy. I think that uh, they stopped making cameras there about... 
60 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have the Argus Museum in Ann Arbor, and if you're ever in town, they're open from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, and the second floor of the of the Argus building on William Street, West William. It's worth uh, taking a look because everything is nicely presented in, in the cases there. Argus was one of the first companies to produce 35-millimeter cameras in North America. In fact, they seized upon making these, probably not at a great time, 1936. Uh, people were 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 still in the the parts of the of the depression. You can go and look up the history of the Argus online, but they basically used before it was called Argus. It was International Radio uh, Radio Corporation, and then they changed it International Research Corporation when they started producing cameras and they stopped producing radios. The Argus A was their first model, came out in 1936, and it's a very sort of Art Deco looking camera, Bakelite body with a aluminum back aluminum knobs on the top and bottom and then it has a pop-out lens in the front and it's a pretty simple camera it has a rim set shutter can take multiple exposures with it if you want the first camera that came out was the uh, model a it's fairly attractive it has shutter speeds of b and t and goes from 125th to uh one two hundredth of a second has an f 4.5 lens like i said it's, it's fairly simple the lens actually telescopes out when you turn turn it into a little uh, detent there and it, little tabs hold it in place when you collapse it. pops out. There are two positions when it pops out. One is for close-ups of about 6 to 9 feet, and then the other is from like 9 feet to infinity. 6 to 9 feet's a close-up? What's that? <laughs> 6 to 9 feet's a close-up? Yeah, oh, well, man. it's a pretty, like I said, it's it's pretty bare bones here. The back pops off, and uh, not oftentimes very easily, but it does. And the early models of the Argus A had a single sprocket in it. Oh, look at that. And uh, a brass sprocket, no less. And you can go and find out all kinds of information on these things. They made thousands of Model A's. In fact, they, they I believe I, they sold something on the order of 12,000 of these in a, in a very short amount of time. But the, uh, the Argus A is certainly a landmark camera in terms of, of the Argus company because it started a... It was really the first camera the the average person could afford that shot 35mm film. What can I tell you about these? What can you tell us about What can I tell you about them? Are they fun to shoot? They're kind of fun to shoot. They have their own little quirks. The thing about them is that they are fairly simple. There's not a whole lot that can go wrong. You can unscrew the lens lenses and clean them if they if they look a little foggy. But there are a number of variants with the Argus A's, and the original one was produced for oh, several years. Then they had other variants. There was the AF, which has infinity focus. The autofocus mode. No, yeah, no, it actually has a focusing helical on it, which allows you to focus from one and a half feet to infinity, which is pretty good. Of course, there's yeah. no way of knowing what the parallax problem is and all that but Mm -hmm. they weren't worried about that the model double a came out in 1941 it's the same lens as the argus m and if you don't know about the argus m it was a it shot 820 828 film it's a very simple little camera fixed lens in it does not pop out like the other ones did and it only has b and an instant it's a fairly simple camera that came out during the war years it's not like the was the original Kodak Pony like that? It just had bulb or instant. It was like a box cam. It was like a little no, big, the original like, box Pony camera. actually had a, had several had several, but then they had other varieties that got worse uh. or better depending on which model it was. The model A2B had an extinction meter in it, and there was two versions of that. They had uh, 
1939 to 1941, and then the A2B came out after the war from 1945 to 1950. And then there's the Argus FA, which means it came with a, with flash contacts built in, as a, and it also has a two-position lens. But in this case, they actually tell you what the positions are. And the other Argus, the Argus A, didn't really tell you to kind of figure that out. But this one tells you it's uh, 6 to 15 feet and then 15 feet to infinity. The shutters are, are, are quite reliable. The thing with these is probably not the best lenses in the world. And you really, <laughs> Definitely not the best lenses. Yeah, they're not the best lenses in the world. But the, uh, the later ones are all have coated glass. And I would say that if you're going to use one of these, I mean, they're certainly better than going and buying something from Lomo, $75 or something like that, which probably works not nearly as well as these. Um, you can usually get these online. I mean, the prices, I'm, I'm surprised, actually. The prices for the Model A's and that whole family have gone up in, in the years since I was collecting Argus. I haven't done any of this for years. But now they're starting at like $20 or more. Let's say you get an Argus um, FA for 20 bucks. You can use the art, the flash that came with the uh, Argoflex 75 to go, go on the side if you want to use a flash with it. It works as good as a Fed 1. It probably works better than the Fed bucks. 1. Yeah. Far-fewing mover, moving parts. Yeah, fewer <laughs> moving parts. If you use these stop-down, I mean, I shot a roll just recently. I thought that the best results I had were at F8 and smaller. They were they were fine. I mean, you could just use Sunny 16, go out there and shoot with this thing, and, and you, or use a meter and see what works best for you. A roll of hundreds of ISO film in these, and and you're cooking. Take one out for a spin. There's a trick, though. If you notice, uh, eyepiece on the Argus A's is right, sort of like an afterthought in a way. It's it's molded into the top and sticks out above the rest of the, the top deck here. They found that it, it was always kind of hard to holding these steady. And so the the big thing is you just hold it upside down with it with the camera back against huh. your forehead and look through the eyepiece this way, hmm. and it and it holds the camera steady where you're trying to depress the, uh, the the shutter release. So it looks goofy. But then you have to like turn your head upside down and look at the negatives later. So that's, yeah, right. That's, so everything's up. It doesn't matter, right? Argus A's. The the best I'd say the one that would go for if I were looking for a used one would be the model the Argus FA or the A2Bs or get the model um, AF that has the Infinity Focus helical on it. They're 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 certainly worthwhile cameras. The original Argus A not as good as the later ones. I don't think. I, I like I like what you're talking about, and I'll tell you why because. You know, the brick, I still haven't shot with the brick. What's that called? The, the C3? C3? The C3. C3. It's just too, too complicated. This looks nice and easy. Oh, it, it is God. simple. It's a simple camera. I mean, that you've got... That beautiful brick that I sent you, you have not shot no, with? I haven't. That beautiful tan brick. One? Not yet. Oh, dude, what tan one? The Matchmatic? The mat thing with the matching flash. Okay, I have to find that. Oh, uh-huh. you'll have to find it. Yeah. The, the FA... The, the one that has the flash contacts on the side has 125th to 150th of a second. Again, you're you're going to be limited in in what films you can run in these things. But they're and and they're, everything in between. Right, right, everything in between. And uh, how often, like these days, do you shoot with the Argus A series? Oh, how often do I shoot with it? Yeah. I pick one up every couple of years and, and, and play with it. I mean, it's not something I would use all the time. I've got so many damn cameras. That it's like they're sort of at the bottom of, the, of my list. But if you want to have a sort of a classic American 35-millimeter camera that was very popular at one time um, from the late 30s to the 1950 or so, can't go wrong. It was like the iPhone. It was the best-selling camera in the world. Everybody had well, everyone, an Argus you know, in the 30s. Like, that was in the, in the U.S., everyone had an Argus, yeah. right. Well, well, thank you, Mark. <laughs> you, you probably could. Great. That was great. Thank, thank, yes, thank you, Mark. Oh, yeah, this could be modded. Yeah, I shot with all of these, yeah. 
Have you guys shot with an Argus A? I have, I, yeah, I think I own one of each of them myself. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, like Mark was saying, if you're, if you're like a lomography type person, they're perfect because you yeah. can pick them up at flea markets or eBay for 10, 15, 20, 30 bucks. This feels pretty good in the hand. This is, it's it is. solid. It's it, it is a very solid yeah. camera. It doesn't feel flimsy like no. some of the lomography cameras do. I, I thought know? it was like a molded, like a, like a Bakelite or a molded plastic. Yeah. But it's, I was thinking, oh, this could be like shaved off or modded or something if you wanted to get sprockets. But no, this is all metal back here. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> You're welcome. Mike says thank you. Yeah. What, what's he's he busy. doing? He's crouching in the corner he's like busy. a like a like an ogre over he's there. He's got a lot going on. He's doing. Okay, let's go to a listener letter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike couldn't be here for this episode. Exactly. <laughs> are you rolling film? I, I, I rolling. I in my hand I have. I should talk about it. I have the uh, Kodak Brownie Flash Mite 20. It's a 620 uh, Bakelite camera. It was owned by my aunt. Aunt Linda. Linda. Uh, Linda, of course, a few episodes ago. I don't know if you were here. I was shooting with my La Sardinia at my parents' house when I went to visit. My Aunt Linda's like, oh, Mikey, that's a a very nice clown camera you have. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was just, like, my jaw just dropped. It does. It's like the Barnum and Bailey looking thing. I guess it looks like (laughs) a clown camera. But, uh, Mark, you kindly... Do you remember you fixed this for me? Yeah. Uh, I was getting a shutter lag. I was heartbroken because this is my favorite camera. And Mark fixed it for me. For someone who has a Bakelite or one of these old Kodak brownies and you get mm-hmm. sticky, how did you how did you fix it exactly? I mean, those have like literally two moving parts. It's got a, basically an old box camera shutter in it. So uh, I forget offhand on, t- on that one. But if, if you take the, the bottom off, there's a couple little screws inside. And if you take out the two screws or the four screws, the whole lens assembly comes off. You can clean the lenses. You can oil the shutter. You can go crazy. Don't worry about WD-40 you know, spray it. It's, you know, it's not going to hurt it. So I was debating whether to shoot a roll of uh, Kodak Ektachrome expired 06 1984. Wow, that's almost fresh. Or Kodak Ektachrome 64. Ooh, that one. Expired uh, 04 1985. This one. Uh, Leslie says it's 200. This is going to make about half speed. Yeah. And 100 mm, would have been ideal. Yeah. And uh, Matt's boldly saying the 64. I just love 64, but if it's that old, But no. it's not 64 anymore. And you don't have yeah. bulb on that camera, so. Yeah, so, no. so go but for the. But the flash is blinding. No, um, Leslie's got it. Yeah, okay. go for the. What, it's 127? I can't even see from here. Oh, no, this is a, uh, by the way. Oh, 620, a, you said. Sorry, this yeah, This is yeah. a Brownie Flash Mite 20, a, six, uh, a 620 camera, takes 620 film. It's uh, one of my favorite. First of all, I love. Kodak brownies from the 1960s as I love uh, 126 Kodak Instamatics from the 70s. They give that same kind of old-timey, vintage from my childhood look. Is there a filter app for that filter? No, <laughs> not that I'm aware of. That's also, that's also one of the good candidates for flipping lenses and doing all kinds of fun mm. things with, too. Yeah, I would never do that. Not you know what you can also do, Mike, is maybe you could, you could roll a fresh roll of 120 onto some FPP 620 yeah, I was going to say, where, where can you get 620? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, for you folks out there listening who have been listening forever or have back, gone back to the catalog you'll know way back in the day we're like man i'm gonna make some spools and that's exactly what we <laughs> did uh, i hired a company here in the u.s uh, a, a company that does mold injection and they injection made mold. so some cad guy cad like mm-hmm. ma- mike uh like designed the spool and now we have new fpp 620 spools now, they, f- they feel better than like 3d printed ones oh, for sure. oh yeah world 
We experimented at first with the 3D printed ones, mm-hmm. and they were miserable. They were and they clumsy. were white. That's and also green. a problem. And Weren't green. there some green yeah. ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the white ones, like the light would like pipe through pipe it? Pipe right through oh, it. Oh, really? The only wow. time I used one of the white ones was with a roll of... Uh, Ilford 3200 speed oh. film, so I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh. So there's like one strip across the middle that you can make out the picture. The rest of it's just burned out. And they were really, really flimsy. So we got these mold-injected, and these are almost almost identical to the original Kodaks. Because they're mold-injected, they're not as thin on one side. Mm-hmm. So they fit like 95% of the 620 film cameras. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had a failure with them. But you know, I, ha- I haven't. The, it seems like the difficulties are in Kodak Tourist and Anscoflex 2 cameras. And I have yet, I have a few of those cameras floating around here. I want to try them. I think they're going to be just fine. I'm thinking they're snug and people are getting scared because they're turning and there's, tension. Ten- yeah. there's a lot of tension. But the fact is, the more you use it, it'll, it'll just, it'll wear it down. So, um, but 95% of the cameras, these spools, the FPP 620 film uh, works just fine. When's the 116 coming? <gasps> I know people have asked. When's the 127 coming? I think 127 is more popular. Well, yeah, 127, 127 you can get. Yeah. You would corner the world on 116 if you came out with that. Uh, yeah, but there's no one out there in the world to buy it. <laughs> I, I personally know people. Really? I just had someone yesterday ask me where to get 116. But isn't there such a limited amount of cameras in 116 that there's it would significantly be significantly less than? Yeah. yeah. There's fewer, and a lot of them are just as crappy as the 620 cameras. I mean, there's like the, the Anscoe Flash and stuff like that. The, the, the well, but Bellows cameras. But too. so that's yeah. I mean, but you're right. that's that's the thing is that you, uh, 116 was a big with the old Kodak folders where yeah. you can get but, some really beautiful. But the stuff. beauty of 120 to 620 is that 120 film the backing paper is exact. Yes. And the numbers on the back are exact. I know. I'm just screwing with you. Oh, I understand. <laughs> so so it's an easy procedure. I would love to roll. So what are you doing with that roll of 70 millimeter you got there? Oh, you can have it. I'll buy it from you. You don't buy it from me. I'm never gonna. It's up there. It's been up there. It's it's moved from, like from. It's moved with me everywhere for the last ten years. So. What will you pay me to take it then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have two. That's fine. Matter of fact, you know what? I'll I'll oh. take it and I'll roll you a few rolls of one sixty fresh oh, one sixteen. I just want to know what kind of cool stuff we have. One twenty seven is forty. It's thirty five. Forty forty six millimeter. Forty six. Yeah. Forty six. Yeah. One sixteen is seventy millimeter. Pause, well, why are, you, why are you looking up? It's a 126 openable cartridge that you pop open and you stick a roll of 35 in and it makes you a 126 cartridge. Ooh. Can you believe? How is that thing Wait, on the market? Is, and it, none it, of us yeah. have heard of that. Now, how, how, Where is it available? Italy. Oh. It's Italy. 20, 22 euros. It's like 30 bucks. Does it mask over the sprockets? How, do, how does the sprockets work? The it, sprockets it appears get, that the sprockets will be in the shot. They'll, they'll but the sprockets it. get jammed. Order it. Take my money! <laughs> <laughs> the sprockets get jammed when you try to advance on some cameras. Some, well, it's yes. got a, it's got if you look at it, it's got a little like shield. It's a little guard, it looks. Yeah, like, it's a little yeah. shield, so Must it'll it'll stop. Have. It. Yeah, so Must I don't know have. how much. It's thirty three three. Oh, sorry, twenty two euros. Is there any reviews on it? And uh, I'm just telling you what I know, man. Website. And the so cartridge goes snaps right in it, or do you have to roll it? Um, yeah, no. The the uh, let's see. It's hard to tell from the pictures. It it appears that you slide a thirty five a one thirty five into it. Oh no 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 wait 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 no I guess you have to take the film out. Yeah, you have to take the film out of mm-hmm. the one thirty five. Oh, so in a in a dark bag or something. Yeah. Uh, so this is completely. I don't know anything about this. I do not endorse it. I don't know who these people are, but you can take a look at it at www.camerhack c a m e r h a c k dot i t. It's Italy. Italy. Camerhack.it. And it's called the FACMATIC. F A K M A T I C. 
135 to 126 film adapter kit. They also make um, 135 to 120 adapters, 120 to 116 adapters. Now, will you buy one so we one, can... Oh, oh, I, I will definitely get one They make one of 120 to 122 oh. adapters. 122, there's one you don't hear about very no, often. Uh-uh. Yeah, I'd love to... I'll get one of these. If you don't, we'll talk about it. At yeah, one eighteen. So if if there are people out there shooting twenties Kodak folders and they they need to be able to shoot one eighteen or one twenty two, right? Camerahack dot it. So speaking of odd formats, back to my brownie, which is sorry, six, go that's ahead. Okay, six twenty film. Now the great thing about six twenty film is you could roll it yourself. Just find a spool. They're easy easy to find. We sell new ones, uh, or you could just buy film, and you could buy vintage film on eBay, or you could buy fresh film right from the Film Photography Project store here. And my favorite camera, if you haven't tried it yet, please consider Kodak Brownie Flashmite 20. It's, what would you call this type of lens? What kind of focusing is this? It has guesstimate? Yeah. Well, it has zone focus? Close-ups? Yes, zone focus. So. Close-ups, four to six feet. Then you switch it over. Groups, six to 12 feet. And scenes, 12 feet to infinity. It takes an A1 bulb. One guy, two guys, tree. Right? It takes an A1 peanut bulb, the type that children could swallow. Yes. Mm. Really, what is it about the 60s? What if they went off? Do you know what the AG stood for? They were trying to kill children. (laughs) It stands for all glass. There was no metal base on it. And I can tell you, the glass never explodes. I've had a bulb go off in my hand, and it did not burn me. <laughs> These are well manufactured. They have a shield, like a plasticky mm-hmm. shield, to keep you from like singeing your flesh. <laughs> the cam- the fun in that? The camera takes two AA batteries for the flash. Uh, always ask if you're buying from eBay, the seller, if the battery compartment is any corrosion in there. You want to buy something clean. And um, I highly, highly recommend trying these cameras. We do carry them in the store. I don't know if they're in stock. I usually get a few in. I test them out personally, and they go pretty quick because, well, it's an awesome camera. The market say, season's coming soon. I'll start stocking up again. I always say if Aunt Linda shoots with it, then everyone should shoot with it. It's good enough for us. And I've told you this story before. She took this camera. <laughs> I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. She took this camera to the Beatles. No, not the Beatles in concert. To a Hard Day's Night Beatles movie. <laughs> And oh. shot the screen with it. Oh, with the flash? With the flash. Oh, jeez. Oh. So, <laughs> so she has a picture of a white screen. Yes. So uh. it's you know, I guess if you're so excited about the Beatles, I've seen people still do that. Uh, for real? Oh, with a cell screen? camera. Yes. In a theater. Yes. Or like at a stadium, you just right. see all the flashes <laughs> yeah, going yeah. up. It's like yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It looks or cool. a guy you got a pretty high him. regard of your iPhone. Yeah. I saw a guy at the Toledo Zoo Aquarium. And he had a nice DSLR, oh, right up and he had the, the flash uh, going off come up on. back from. It's like so. It was, I, I'm thinking all you're going to get, man, is a big burst of nothing. Well, he would have seen it right away, at least. Hopefully, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll do a book. How about a book? Hey, okay, we we'll do a book. Okay. Hey, everybody, it's Mike Rasso here to tell you what's new and hot in the FPP online store. By visiting and shopping at the FPP online store, you help keep this podcast going. New in the store. An all-new formula. Of the amazing 35mm Lomo Purple Film. (laughs) In the FPP store. 127 black and white Rarapan. That's right. Get out your 127 cameras. Load them up. 
fresh stocked rolled 620 film for all of your Kodak Brownie and 620 cameras. Some new flavors of Kodak Vision film, that's motion picture film, and lots more. Head on over to the FPP online store, filmphotographystore.com. Check out the new store, and we'll keep these shoes going. Hey, we're back. Feels like we've just been rambling the last 40 minutes. I don't even remember what we were even talking uh, about. like coffee. Just about. Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. After the Coscafes. Yeah. Oh. This is, this is actually a very interesting thing. Picture Paris. Can you say something in French, Mark? Come on, aujourd'hui. Come on. That wasn't me. Oh, yes, it was. I don't speak that kind of French. Je vais bien, merci. Hey, oh. holding out, Matt. He's still trying okay. to figure out something down? to say. Yeah, I'm like, Come on, pencils down, O'Brien. Okay, I'm good. I'm <laughs> time good. for your book report. Okay. <laughs> God, I'm glad I'm not in school anymore. Remember how hard... <laughs> <laughs> how horrifying it was when you like oh, when you when oh. you barely did your so homework. So this weekend right. I read a book called Picture Paris. You yeah. did like a shitty job on your homework and you went to school and you're like, ugh. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll start. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I get the message. Ivanhoe, a story about a farmer and his tool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this little interesting book I'm going to talk about is called Picture Paris: Landmarks of a New Generation. It was actually published by the Giddy Conservation Institute in 1998. I picked this book up at a local used bookstore, and I was just really smitten by the images. But what really makes it interesting for me, this book was part of a series of projects where young kids, basically middle school to high school, were given point-and-shoot cameras and instructed in photography for a little bit. And They had group sessions where they met with a counselor, and they basically were shooting what they saw in, in their neighborhoods and so forth. And so while we all see these pictures of Paris that are the, you know, the tourist-type things or from the great photographers of the past, and they showed us what they saw... But these are kids showing what they see in today's Paris. It's a really a, a fantastic bunch of images in here. And the cameras, they were given plenty of film. They, they scouted all of Paris from April to July of 1997. And they were drawn from neighborhoods throughout the city. Um, six of the students were of French origin. One was Algerian, one Taiwanese, and one Gambian. And together they amassed nearly a thousand images depicting the daily life of their city. The people, the monuments, transitions, and gestures that have mark them in a special way so it's really sort of a very i mean you go through this and you say wow that's a really nice photograph or it's a really interesting photograph i think one of the things that it speaks of the power of photography it also speaks of the power of photography when when someone has this camera that records an image of what they see and they're able to express their voice and and their daily routine mm-hmm. and in their world that would be otherwise would be ignored by people and so it's a it's a fantastic book i forget what i paid for it used it's still actually still available online from the giddy conservation institute um it's in english and in french it's really well well produced the images are are beautiful and this is the kind of stuff i i really like to see and that is you can do extraordinary things in what people would call ordinary hands. Don't and you think, though, too, at that age, 
They haven't been ruined yet. That's yeah. true. They haven't been the rules. The world hasn't beaten them down That's yet. That's right. Yeah. They haven't been ruined oh, yet. And they're, thirds, whatever. And they're, um, no. you know, they're, just, they're just lovely images, mm-hmm. and uh, it's what, well what done. What I like about all the images in here is it's, it's, a, very, it's, a, it's a very well done start to finish kind of take on, on this type of project because the, the modern day version of it all, only uses disposable cameras. There's right. no instruction. It's too loose, and even if there's a creative framing, there's something about <laughs> – the fact that it's a like a disposable or one-time use camera uh, that yeah. ruins what could happen. right and this kind of removes that and exactly you can view it more as like an art photograph exactly which is is great and and, and so um there's more there, you can go online there's actually a, a website about how the, these there's actually a series of books from other other cities as well i've only seen this one but i highly recommend it if you really want to get a taste for today's or well 90 pairs of 1998 at least it's it's a really really attractive book. Thank very, you, Mark. Very well printed. No, that's my line. Okay. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Next up, <laughs> let's take a break. When we come back, Mark Dalzell is going to be talking about. It's like a voting booth box. <laughs> it's my TARDIS. <laughs> that's oh, what I should paint it blue. <sighs> that's what happened with those votes. <laughs> oh, shit. oh no. Mm. And now Kodak presents a holiday reminder from Betty White. This week we'll celebrate the 4th of July. A good day to make the wonderful world of color yours with color snapshots. And you can do it so easily with your own camera, the one you have right now, and Kodakolor Film. Kodakolor Film comes in all the popular sizes. And believe me, next to the pickles, it's the most important part of the picnic. So when you're out for holiday fun, be sure to take along an extra roll or two of Kodakolor Film so you can capture all the fun and color of your happy family day. With Kodakolor Film, you can take color snapshots as easily as black and white. Just aim and snap, and you get beautiful, sparkling color prints. So no matter how you spend your day, save the fun in color. It makes a world of difference. Be ready before the 4th with Kodakolor Film in the familiar yellow box. Remember, you can depend on the name Kodak. It's so funny, folks, listening while on break. So so funny here yeah, because we're back everyone is so like tense when we talk about voting over here because of the election past fall. It's just like the craziest thing I've never experienced in my whole life, which is like everyone's tense about voting, and you when you don't want to talk about politics, talk about we don't. We don't not here. We don't talk okay, about politics. No, no. I try to keep my social yeah. media it's hilarious. strictly, strictly photography, yes. completely on point. Like, I don't care if somebody who agrees with me likes something, but keep it photography or right. that or, shit has to go. That's right, O'Brien. <laughs> that's right. Or your dogs or your cats. Yes, pets, are fine. pets are fine. Pets I are fine. Babies, there's a limit to babies, though. You've got to keep um, it three a day. But it's it's everywhere on on Facebook. I'm in an automotive forum about like old <laughs> oh gosh old old like cars funny car, car things. Talk. And I yeah. posted a picture of something I saw at a yard sale from the '60s. There was this metal tray that you would hang over the back of your front bench seat, and it sealed off the floor of the back seat. So it basically turned your whole back seat into a playpen for the kids to jump oh, around in cool. while you were driving. So oh, I posted it on this car forum saying, "Ah, look at this crazy thing! Remember when we were kids and they had this." And one of the first comments uh, was, kids. that was before these libtards <laughs> oh, no. started that. I'm like, oh, my God, just sh- stop. Like, why, why does everything have to be political? Like, just stop. Uh, oh, I'm just posting Lord. a funny picture. Anyway, we're back. We're back. Gosh, we're fired up. Commanders. We're back. Yeah, hey, man, we're fired up. We're Not back. warm. <laughs> what 
we got, Mark? Yeah, what's yeah. that box? Shit with a yet? <laughs> All right, so... It looks, it looks like a portable oh, outhouse. Oh, he's got a folder. This... I won't even talk about the camera yet. <laughs> the thing I like about this camera that I'm not going to talk about yet... I was just say, what camera? This camera created an archetype, and that's the thing that completely stuns me with this camera. If you're a cartoonist and you draw a car with round wheels, that car is sitting there. If you draw a car with oval wheels, that car is moving fast. The archetype of oval wheels depicting speed comes from this camera, which blows my mind. (laughs) So this camera that I've got here is an approximately 1910 Fulmer and Schwing. Schwing. Autograflex. Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt you. Anyone smell something burning? Or am I having a stroke? I think it was that political thing. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking about that. Still hot. <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. So this is a 1910-ish Fulmer and Schwing. Not doing it. I was waiting for him to say no, it. No. Graflex. Schwing. <laughs> the word Graflex is in there. This is, this is decades before the Graflex camera company. This is, you know. So, so this thing that's in front of me is a giant wooden mahogany box covered with brass and knobs and levers. It's very steampunk and cool looking. Um, if you look on my photo stream, there's a whole a whole uh, album of pictures of it. The cool thing about this camera was uh, this came out in, uh, well, this, this exact one, but the cameras with this technology came out in the late 1800s. And the thing that's unique about it is that the shutter in the back is a continuous, like, six-foot-long piece of cloth. And in the cloth are little slits cut into it. And you wind up the, the, the mechanism, and when you fire the shutter, it just sweeps that slit of cloth past the film, and that's what's actually taking the picture. So it's not two curtains. It's not, you know, any, any kind of shutter you've seen before. It's just a, you know, I've had this thing out on the table, and it's just like a six-foot-long piece of, piece of cloth. The way that you get your different shutter speeds is there are, well, on this particular camera, there are four different widths of slit you can get. So the, mm-hmm. the top, I was going to say the topest shutter speed... <laughs> The fastest speeds are one one thousandth um, with the one eighth slit, all the way down to it's got a three eighths, it's got a, a three quarter inch and a one and a half inch slit. So the bigger the slit you go, the lower the shutter speed you get. And mm-hmm. also, you can also adjust how much tension there is on the spring when you fire it. So there's six different tension settings. So using those four slits and the six tensions, you have 24 different shutter speeds, ranging from one tenth of a second to one thousandth of a second. And this camera is 106 years old, don't forget. Whoa. Not only do you have 24 shutter speeds up to a thousandth of a second, this camera is now a 4x5 SLR. Mm-hmm. It's a 4x5 SLR. So this has your mirror that flips up. It's got your ground glass. It's got your prism. It's got everything that... No, no prism. It's got everything that you would, you know, most everything you would find in a modern SLR, but it's shooting on 4x5 film. So it's a 4x5 camera that you can handhold. Yep. You can, you know, shoot people walking past. You can, you know, you can just use it like a regular camera. So it's amazing. What I was saying about the slit. So when you fire this, what happens is this, the slit in the cloth, in the curtain, is, you know, panning up or you know, down past your film, which in the final negative will be up across your film. If you shoot something that's moving quickly across your field of view, as that slit moves across the field, but the item is, you know, the thing you're shooting is moving laterally, it'll distort it. So when they were shooting race cars in, the, you know, teens with this thing, the finished picture of a car zooming past you had oval wheels, and people thought, wow, when your car goes really fast, your wheels distort. <laughs> and, it, you know, they didn't figure it out at first, but that just became the archetype for yeah, it's, it's called a rolling shutter, which is funny because 
fast forward that to today, some of the modern mirrorless cameras where manufacturers are cheaping out, they scan in the exact same way and suffer the same effects called rolling shutter. Yes, exactly. So this, I have a couple of examples that I just printed up. I, I sent my files to the wrong staples, so I don't have it printed on photo paper. But So here's a couple of examples of um, oval wheels. This is an amazing one. I figured Mike would get a kick out of that one. But So these are original pictures from like 1909 to 1915. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who took them? Uh, various this photographers. Lartigue was fam- one of his photographs. Oh, is God. famous for that. You, and you think cartoonists? Can't... So look at the one. So look at the one on the bottom of the pile. That's really distorted. Oh my God! So the cool thing is, if you look at the first one you had up, yep. you see how the wheel, the car, and the wheels are leaning to the right. Yeah. But the people in the picture are leaning to the left. Well, why is that? That's because, as I said. This can be a handheld camera. So as the car was going by, the photographer was panning, panning with, with it. the car, oh. Oh. but the car was still going faster. So you have things in the, in the picture that are leaning away from each other. It's amazing. And have you replicated this? It just so happens, Mike. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got this, it, it wasn't working. I had to I disassemble it. Um, the, the, the curtain was, it was just totally disconnected from the spindles, and it was all cracked and drying out. So I... You know, I did the old uh, soak it and pledge for a while and soften it up, which was a, works wonders. It's incredible. Furniture polish. Got the tension back in the springs, and actually it works, it works really well. When I got it finished, I still couldn't quite get the very top speeds. I couldn't get a thousandth out of it. But after it sat for a couple of months and loosened up a little more, I, I now have all the shutter speeds back. So, um, so it's good as new. And the, the place that I took this out to test is this amazing car race called the Race of Gentlemen. <laughs> the Race of Gentlemen is a race that they do every year on the beach in Wildwood, New Jersey. Whoa. They've now expanded it. They're doing one in Pismo in California in the fall. And what it is is it's a car race of vintage hot rods. Nothing, not a single thing newer than 1953 is allowed on the cars. So these are cars that don't have disc brakes or, I mean, anything. There's no fuel injection. There's, I mean, there's, the clothes that the people wear are, are original. And it's just shot on the beach. So everything is just, it's beautiful for, for taking pictures like this. So I went out with this. And again, my, you know, the curtain has a couple of pinhole leaks. It's, it's old. It's tired. I, I modified this to actually take standard 4x5 film pack. So it's not 100%. But get out of town. This was my test. And I did manage to get some <gasps> over-wheel shots with it. Oh, cool. So there's some motorcycles going by, and here's an old oh, neat. Nice. Yeah. old Ford so or Dodge or something going by. what you're saying is that my former Schwing Graphic Zero, which has that same tension swing <laughs> slit system, just a little bit more modern version of that in 1909. I can send that to you, and you can refurbish my shutter. You're going to get a lot of cameras, Mark. I, will, I would take a it's look at it. It's the one that looks like the detonator. Yeah. No guarantee, but I will, I will take a look at it. Wow. This, this was... That takes a standard 4x5? Yep. This yeah, does. This is, this is pre-graph lock. Now, the, there are speed graphics that had the same a smaller version of that assembly on there. Now, those were graph lock compatible. Wow. Um, yeah, there was. Yeah, this originally amazing. took a film pack, so I had to modify it, but not too heavily. Like, the it, film it was, pack was just slightly deeper. That's why he added this. And what's that yeah. called exactly? The camera is... The, the specific name of the camera yeah. is the Fulmer and Schwing Autograph Lex. F-O-L. M-E-R. Schwing. S-W-S-C-H-W-I-N-G. Schwing. Fulmer and Schwing. Autograph Lex. Autograph Lex. And Fulmer and Schwing way back when was the name in your premium big old field view and banquet cameras. 
Yeah, they, they made the, the biggest camera in the world at one point. Now, it's like a 40 by 40 or something. Is there focusing? Do you focus? Or? Yeah. So let's, I haven't even popped this thing open yet, but let's fire this baby up. Swing. There you go. Um, so to get your lens out, you turn this knob, and Ding. it pops out the front. So there's your focusing on the side. To get your viewfinder, this pops up. And again, this is, a, this is kind of an unusual model. It's called the front hinge. Most of them open back hinge. Yeah. So this is the front hinge. Model. Now, did you have to restore any of this? No, this was this side. That's dusted. very rare. Yes. That, that yeah, the that's, viewfinder that's still... usually that disintegrates and it smells awful. And yeah. I'm sorry if I was no, doing research while you were talking, but did you see where you found that camera? Where you got it from? I didn't say I got okay. this. I got this at a at an estate sale in like North Arlington. Okay. Um, I went in and I said, "Do you have?" I usually go in and say, "Are there any old cameras?" What am I doing? Look at me. One, two, three. Oh, I forgot it was going to be a bulb. Bait. <laughs> I know that. Oh. Read your nose. Blinded by it. the light. It's right there. I, see it. <laughs> um, I went. I usually I go in and say, "Do you have any old cameras?" And there's like, well, there, there's some camera equipment in the basement. We don't know what it is. And there was in the basement in the corner, there was a big tub, and this was in it, and also a, a pacemaker graphic, uh, and then tons of parts and bits and pieces. And I took it upstairs and said. How much for this? And they, they basically said, oh, I thought you were looking for cameras. I was like, no, these are cameras. <laughs> oh, I don't know. What did they think that was? They uh, well, had no I idea. Some kind of photographic equipment. Maybe they thought it was like a contact printer or something. Who knows? But I think, so, so for the two cameras and all the equipment, I think I paid 20 bucks. And he gave me the Rubbermaid tub that it was in. Wow. <laughs> so they were happy to get rid of it. But Allow me, but once again... You know it's legit large format stuff when it comes in a Rubbermaid tub. Yeah. You yeah. got and it. It had been sitting in the basin for clearly And were you decades. driving home the whole time? You were like, oh. Like, like, I don't even know. Yeah, I, I didn't even know what this thing was. I actually did research, and I still couldn't figure it out. You I had really to, cleaned it up nice. I got beautiful. on Flickr, on, on the Flickr Graphflex group, and, and actually posted a thing saying, what is this thing? And somebody said, it's the front hinge. That's an unusual one. That's why you can't find it. And the lens alone is about 120 bucks. so you, you cleaned up on it. Yeah, it's got a nice five by seven lens in it. So yeah, so the so the way you actually shoot it, so this it's already cocked, it's already wound on the side here. It tells me so. I've got my one eighth slit. It looks like something from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It is. So the one eighth slit is is armed <laughs> down here at the bottom. I've got tension six. So when I fire this, if you look at the graph, I will get my one. Oh, one I gotta out. use a graph. Yeah, uh-huh. you got. It's got graphing. So then on the side here, on this side is your shutter. So when you flip it. Oh, that's great. Wait, does that have does that have two tripod sockets? It has portrait and. Well, yeah. So let, me, let me ask you a question. If if we put a slice of the 500T, which you could go up to, you can go up to like eight, oh, 800, 800, 800 ISO, yeah. and my, our light there, can we take a picture with that? Oh, yeah, handheld. Yeah, right now. <gasps> Get out of town. Let's Why do not? it. Why not? What's your lens? It's a 4.5, right? It's a 210 4.5? Oh, yes, 4.5 aperture. Yeah, yes. all the Tessars are 4.5. Okay. But yeah, so so I just shot it mm-hmm. at the one thousandth. Now I'm down to the three eighths shutter. So if I cock it again, now I'm going to get three eighths. You get slower. Attention. Yeah. So now I'm getting one three thirtieth of a second. Now if I cock it again, now I'm at the three quarter inch. So three quarter inch at six is one sixtieth of a second. Now if I cock it again, now I'm at tension six one half. So now I'm at seventy one seventy fifth. Nice. And now if I go again, it's bald. Oh my god! Have you done any time long exposures with it? I haven't. No, I got to wind it all back up again. So then, oh, I got to cock it. So that puts the mirror back down, and then start winding it back up. He can probably handhold some cool stuff. Yeah, there we go. And since it's a it's a two hundred ten millimeter lens, he can do some good portraits. Very nice. And if I want to bring my tension back down from six, then you flip this, and it gives you a little ding. 
Five, Ooh. four, <laughs> next. three, two, next. one. <laughs> And I, I've never seen, I guess I haven't seen one of these up close before, but because the ones I've always seen have been the rotating back graph flexes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is. And this predates those. Yeah, the RBs didn't come out until 23. This one, there's a, this camera apparently was made from 1911 to 19, I mean, in, into the 40s, I think. But wow. this one, the serial number seems to point to 1909. I don't know. But apparently this camera was started in 1911, so I don't know what the, what the deal is there. But. You did a nice job of fixing it up. Yeah, stripping it down and doing just the, the mahogany is really nice. I yeah. like that. But, yeah. So you know what we do in retail when we see one of these, Mike? What? Bin. No kidding. Yeah. I've only ever seen one super speed graphic that had the, the shutter that was still intact, and that thing went really, really quick because people want to have it, you know, nothing too risky. Not everybody's mark. Let's put it that way. Call me Bin. Send it my way. How was the uh, wood? Was it all messed up? Well, when I got it, I can show you a picture. When I got it, the uh, it's it had about three quarters of its leather on it, but it had gotten it had been damp, so the leather was just kind of falling off it in most places. There was no, and it was all just crumbling. There was no way to save it. If this had been like a historically significant camera, I would have left it. And you know, I'm an, you know I'm an antique guy, but the fact that it was garbage anyway, I figured let's strip it and see what happens. And you know, once I started stripping it, and it all came out to be brass underneath, so it's beautiful. I'm you know I'm a steampunk guy, so I kind of feel like the way we have. FPP crew set up is kind of like the ultimate American Pickers team. Like Mark O'Brien and I will go beat up people on price. We'll get we'll get the shit together. Leslie will tell us where it needs to go from there. If it goes to Mike or if it goes to Mark, Mark's our restore guy, cleans it up. Mike's our hype man. Maybe John Fidelli on that side, and then hype we just man. flip it. Like that's that's what we do. We could, we could go American camera now. pickers. And then, oh, just because I have it too, again, sorry. So this, this, is a, this is a shot I took on it. So again, when you take pictures of it, the way the lens is, it just gives it that vintage look. So here's a picture I took of another race car at that, at that race. Oh, looks good. But it looks like this picture was taken in, you know, 1920. 1909. It just oh. has that look to it. Oh, single color. What did people optics. say There's when they saw you with the camera? Yeah. It was cool because I was actually there with uh, I, was, I was there with a friend of mine who works for CNN. So we had press passes. So we were standing on the track as the cars were Fake racing news. Passes. We could do whatever we wanted. It was amazing. <laughs> hey, hey, on topic. Alternative cameras were, only. They were kicking. They were kicking people out. They were kicking press out because there was just too much press on the track. And he actually came up to me as I was shooting this thing. And said, hey, "Who are you with?" And I said, "CNN." He's like, oh, "Okay, you're fine." Without it occurring to him, wait, you're, not you're with this CNN year. and you're shooting a 105 year old camera. Like, <laughs> so we had CNN uh, credentials, so we could just cool. You, I could, I could walk up to a car and say, "Hey, can I ride the next run with you?" Yeah, sure, climb in. Did you was, tell me that uh, that event, like, basically they want they don't want people shooting with digital cameras? Isn't the folks who run that event very? Uh, particular about being t- like in the error of the cars not not that they don't want you shooting it with digital it's that the problem the problem was when i was trying to shoot them at the start line and in my frame there was 20 oh. digital photographers in the background it ruins it so that's why they were keep trying to keep they were kind of cycling people in and out but the fact that i was shooting this camera and i kind of had period clothes on like we all had sort of period clothes my friend didn't and they they put a like a like a set of overalls on him like he looked really cool so uh so as long as I, you know the digital stuff's not in the frame they're okay with it and, and the pictures again you can look at my Flickr stream the pictures i took that day were beautiful i didn't just shoot this but the pictures that uh that we took just everything is with just the ocean in the background there's nothing you can point to that says that was taken in 2016. Oh, like everything cool. looks like it's 1945. It's amazing. Uh, I think you should also take the uh, like the Dave Burnett approach. Like use your CNN uh, press pass. Get into some like 
modern sporting events, throw some of that Cinestill in there and just get some really neat large format sports. I would love to, yeah. I, want to say it, I just want to say it one more for, time. For one it's I'm a working on. Four by five SLR. Right. So there you awesome. go. And you can take turns looking through it. But yeah, yeah. looking down at the ground glass. Well, is when we're done with the show, if you don't mind, we'll go over there and put it on a tripod and maybe take some. Have, <clears throat> yeah, sure. Have you take some portraits with my uh, brand new Cinestill 800T film? We'll have so. to get the lights on. There's no, no flash contacts. Uh, the lights, I have a light over there. Yeah. So. Cool. Good. Beautiful. Well, thank Very you. Very nice. nice job. Thanks. Let's see, uh, where are we time-wise here? Let's see, take a look at the it's old... like midnight, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, we're, we're cruising along here. Uh, we'll come back and we'll do something. <laughs> hey, folks, a quick message to let you guys know that the FPP online store, that's filmphotographystore.com, now carries black and white 127 roll, roll film. film. That's right, break out those Kodak brownies that take 127 roll film. 127 roll film now on the FPP online store. Booyah! Hey, we're back. Since we're talking about some, you know, oddball, weird cameras, Leslie brought a fridge in. (laughs) It's a very strange looking camera. What's that called, Leslie? It's a Revere. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word Revere as a camera company? Come on, Mike. Oh, as a camera no, company? No, 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 no. Movie cameras. Oh, oh. Right, right. Yeah. The um, Revere name always usually comes up with movie cameras and maybe not necessarily expensive ones, but they were economical. And uh, oh, heavy. they did eventually get into still cameras, but first they were into still stereo. Oh. And then a few stills at the very end of their cycle. This particular one I brought today really is not called the fridge. It's called the EE-127i Matic Electronic Eye Camera. Wow. Um, the company itself has just is a brief history for them. They were the Excel Radiator Company, uh, owned finally by Samuel Briskins. Well, those boys of his, they didn't make radiators. They made budget 8mm movie cameras. And in uh, 1939, the company then changed its name from the Excel Radiator Company to Revere. Why Revere? Well, probably because Revere Copper Company financed them. In the 1950s, Revere was the second largest movie camera manufacturer in the U.S. And I don't know what the first was, but I'm almost going to bet maybe maybe Kodak at that time. I'm not sure. It, It didn't say. But it was synonymous with budget cameras. Until they bought out a New Jersey company, Wallensack Optical. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that did a lot for the company's reputation and actually a lot for their camera. So Revere used an automatic exposure system controlled by a selenium cell, as did many camera companies at the time. They simply called theirs the Magic Eye. And they carried that name through their movie cameras and their still cameras. This particular one that I have, there was only two versions of it. It is, to say the least, a big camera. It is die-cast aluminum, and it's two pounds and four ounces. <laughs> I don't know why. They, they needed a weight reduction strap on it rather than this thing that cuts you in half. But it features a coupled rangefinder, big, beautiful, bright uh, what, what choice did they have? A camera this big, there's a lot of room for a lot of glass. Big, bright viewfinder. It gives information on focusing. It gives you your frame brackets, and it gives you the f-stop you're using, although you cannot choose your f-stop. 
Okay. It tells you what it is, <laughs> it just, but it you just can't do anything you. about it. You can, but you can't. Okay. Wait, what? Fixed shutter speed all the time, one one-hundredth of a second. That's all you get. And this had something called the Flashmatic System. I think this is brilliant. You Fixed shutter? One That's crazy. Don't be so angry. That's just crazy. Why would you what make a camera think? that big that only has one shutter speed? <laughs> they had all that room. It's like, oh my God. Mine has 24. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a little easier to use. <laughs> there's a, a guide number system on here on this Flashmatic system. Mm-hmm. And there's a guide number system. You line up two red dots. And as you change the focus, because this used a flash bulb, that normally you would have to know your guide number, your distance, Calculate all this and set your camera. In this case, once you set the guide number, as you change the focus, it changed the aperture for you. That's so, so cool. Is it, I thought it was brilliant. That's amazing. But also, as you're changing that guide number, you're seeing f-stops change on the inside. So that's my way around uh, using it without flash and outdoors and controlling uh, my f-stop. So your guide number knob becomes your f-stop knob. Exactly, exactly. It's got um, a complete ASA range for the time, 10 to 100. Oh, geez. But it does that use... That ought to be enough. Again, I talked about this a few shows back. This uses one of those uh, Wallensack Raptor lenses, which mm-hmm. is really a fine lens. And it's 20 t- 22 down to 2.8. Uh, like many selenium meters now, they don't work. This is no different. I can sunny 16 it. I can black cat exposure meet it, whatever I need. Um, It's still, for me, a pretty reasonable, fun camera to shoot. Now, what I have not mentioned but was probably a giveaway, calling it the EE-127. Matt, Mm -hmm. what would you think that film size is? Oh, mm, Hmm. 120? Yeah, 7. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you were really close. 127 hasn't been made by Kodak, the big maker of film at the time since 1995. But there are some small independents making film. Mm-hmm. You can also slit down 120. See. And we talked about this earlier. If you do that, you're still using the 120 backing paper, and the numbers don't line up if it's a camera that relies on a little red window. This does not. Oh. This has a thumb advance. Oh, that's right. So that's I don't nice. really care what's on the backing paper. <clears throat> You're just because along. it advances in, right along. Now, we're in the middle of June, so the, the window has already passed for 2017. But 127, as well as the backing paper for it, is part of Ilford's ultra-large format specialty what? order. Yeah. Tell us about it. What do we miss? So. Yeah, they've been doing that for explain. Years. Explain this to me. The Ilford. Well, you know, we always plug it anyway. I do a little special announcement. But Ilford's ultra large for- format specialty order program. You can order bulk films and weird size roll films. Like we talked a couple episodes back about the circuit cameras. You can order film for that. But you can also order tons <sighs> of bulk one twenty seven as well as backing paper for one twenty and one twenty seven. So how do they feel about throwing a little? Uh, Kodak Tri-X in there for me. Is that really a special Just order? Just throw a roll in the box for you. <laughs> when was the deadline? The, I don't know what the deadline for the... I can't remember what it was for this year. I want to say end of May. They've been bumping it up every year. So they don't... Why don't they just... Since they're making the backing paper and the 127, why don't they just roll it and make it available and packaged? I don't know. Spools. Oh. Certainly. But the Production spools are spools. easy. Right. Well, the, but they, is the backing paper on a big roll? It's just it's a master roll. Of, oh, yeah. no numbers. I'm not sure about. I've never bought any before, mm, but I, I know I know other people have been trying to like bulk it and sell it independently. But it's 
That's not how it runs. And you, you got to buy it bulk. The 127 is what? FP4? Uh, your choice. FP4, HP5, I believe, are the only two. Um, they stopped doing the deltas because something with the the run, the size of the run. What's the min- minimum order? Minimum order is like five of the bulk. I mean, it's it's not small. Let me see if I still have it on my phone. Wow, that's interesting. You're talking to Mr. Big? That's right. <laughs> yeah, Big. I am. That's what do I need? A million rolls? Two million rolls? Right. Say a number. Do it. Make it happen. Bigly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll finish this up and you'll have the answer to that. I okay. will. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you know, most 127 cameras were not high-end cameras. There were a few, Yashica 44 and something like that. This is barely up one rung on the ladder from those. But if you like shooting 127, this is a fun one to find on eBay. It sells for about 30 to $50. It was about 139 new. This camera would sell for $1,100 today in this money, which I consider a chunk of change, but it's kind of a chunk of camera. It is. 127 film, if you use something like a Patterson adjustable tank, if you, in real, you've noticed that it's 35, there's a click stop, and 120. It's 127 in the middle. So there's no reason why you can't even soup your own film with still some very basic and very common equipment. Mm-hmm. So that's the tank. The refrigerator. If this is working, this is operational? Yes, it is. Have you shot with it? I haven't yet. Uh, I noticed what I had planned on doing when I opened up the back. I was going to sprocket it with some shmina. <laughs> oh, very nice. Uh-huh. And it literally, I don't have to do anything. This will fit in will here. Will it wind? Here? Oh. Sure. Oh, well, if, so if that's the case, I don't have to all do this 127 talk is well, for naught. I mean, if you can just I throw a 35 in it. I don't have too much except for Blue Fire in stock. And you can, in this newly manufactured, it's called Rarapan. 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 It's 100 ISO black and white. Very beautiful film, but, you know, it's maybe kind of a little bit like all of us here. When you're used to getting things kind of at a wholesale price, man, it kills you when you got to pay full retail. Right. And for me, right now, Rarapan, I don't have a really good source for it. So, But I have used the Rarapan. It's beautiful. Okay. And you're right. I've got the answer. Yeah. Ilford will only print you HP5, but you can get 46 millimeter by 50 feet, which is 127 format. Minimum order. Oh, God. Of 23. The zeros are scrolling off the end of the page. 23 what? 23 rolls of 50 feet. That's not horrible. Well, for me it is. Yeah. Because I'm not a fan of it. And what about the backing paper? Um, No no news about the backing paper. It just says rolls, so that might be pre-backed. Now, the only uh, backing paper they offered as of 2016-2017 was 120 roll film. So you'd have to get the cartoonist black paper... Or you, or you can, or you can purchase their yes. 120 backing paper. Interesting. Which is no minimum order and comes in hundred foot lengths, so you would just buy 12 of those. That there's no no printing on that. I'm not sure. It just says 120 roll. Oh, I guess it. if it's a hundred foot rolls, it wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's why I was thinking. I need a Glowforge, and then I can make a template, and then I can hand number my 127 backing paper, and start. I just give to Mike. He hand rolls everything. He could be rolling up some 127 film, FPP. That's what I said about 116. I I agree. Get rolling. All that stuff. I could use some 118 while you're at it. Uh, Well, thank you, uh, Leslie. Sure. (laughs) Kind of fits in with our unusual film formats and weird-ass camera show here. Yeah. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Don't forget to go to our site and on top of the page, click the subscribe button. And that is a subscription to our email newsletter. 
You, everyone here gets it? I sure do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know what? I get two copies. Oh, you do? Two, two. Brown do. noser. <laughs> Hats off to the folks behind the scenes. Uh, uh, if you didn't know, Dane Johnson is the new uh, webmaster of the FPP. Dane, of course, is the gentleman who used to be on the show all the time. And then he moved away. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Alex Laux, of course, does our show notes. Uh, and to all the folks out there who uh, help out behind the scenes, it is greatly, greatly appreciated. And, of course, the gang here, always, uh, I'm always thankful for you guys who, you know, come a very long way to take part of this whole experience. It's the pay that brings us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the what? The pay. Uh, folks, uh, we do, our, our school donation program is in full swing Swing. So uh, please do send those donations in, cameras, film. Uh, we do take cash donations. That helps us with our uh, high shipping costs mm. to ship stuff out to schools, as well as keeping the lights on. And we certainly, as you can ask anyone in this room, we're certainly not keeping the heat on. Mm-hmm. Because even in the middle of the June, it's still a freezing here in the, you know, underground. Yeah. <laughs> You've been, you know, you've been below. This is not even the underground underground. You've, seen, you've been below, too. The downstairs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we shot down in the I, toxic I waste know. depot. I opened <laughs> the door and couldn't make that first step. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I took you down there, Yeah, right? that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you didn't chain me to the pipes or anything. Right. <laughs> literally, you could sh- like just chain... Well, not even, I wouldn't even have to chain you to the pipes. There's literally like a room where a gate closes, and I could oh, just yeah. lock yeah, that. That's the room we recorded. In. It looks like something out of a... like. A Roger Corman movie. movie. Yeah, would be uh, some, some B movie. Where the room would slowly start to flood and kill oh, yeah. the hero. <laughs> <laughs> like the, you know, classic The Forgotten Prisoner. When I was oh, a kid, right. I had a model kit called The Forgotten Prisoner, and it was a skeleton chained to a brick wall. Yeah. You should do that back there. It was a forgotten prisoner, and then by his skeletal feet, there was a rat. Oh. Everyone just quieted down. I know. I remember that. You had one? No, but I know the kid you're talking yeah, about. The yeah. Forgotten Prisoner. Yeah. Look that up on the Google. I'm going to get you a skeleton to hang back there. The Google. So we'll uh, talk to you guys in uh, two weeks. All right. Goodbye. Nice. <laughs>